You're listening to Guitars and Granola Bars, episode 25. Thank you so much for joining me here on Guitars and Granola Bars, Music Therapists Talk Motherhood. I'm your host, Rachel Ramback, and this podcast is for music therapists and anyone else balancing a passion-fueled career with being a mom. This podcast is sponsored by Music Teachers Helper, the best way to manage your private music lesson studio and or music therapy practice. I've used Music Teachers Helper every single day since 2011, and it is one of the best tools I have to keep my private practice running smoothly. Music Teachers Helper is online scheduling and billing software, which you can access from your computer, laptop, tablet, and smartphone that saves you hours every month, enables you to generate reports for taxes, and ensures you never lose track of a payment. Once you add a student, which is super easy, you can choose to automatically send students custom invoices that can be paid by credit card if you make that an option. Automatically email lesson and session reminders, late payment notifications, notes, and so much more. So many amazing features, I can't even list them all right here. Every user also receives a free, easy-to-build website template to help market your studio online. Ditch the costly web designer or programmers and have complete control over your website content. With dozens of professional templates available, you'll be sure to find one that best expresses your style. Whether you have 5 or 50 students or clients, Music Teachers Helper works with studios and practices of all sizes. They offer a 30-day no-risk trial where you can test it out to discover how much time you'll be saving. If you use the link in the show notes or go to www.musicteachershelper.com podcast, you'll save 20% off your first month if you choose to sign up after the trial. In this episode, I'm chatting with Karen Sanchez. Karen is a mom of three very active boys ages 13, 8, and 6, and also the director and founder of In Harmony Music Therapy Services in Stockton, California, which has been serving the community since 2002. She currently has four other music therapists on staff, providing services across six different counties in Northern California. Karen is in her second year of a PSYD in clinical psychology program has a double MBA in entrepreneurship and healthcare management, has been married for almost 15 years, is a very busy soccer mom, and volunteers endless hours at her church and children's school. Needless to say, she relies heavily on technology to stay afloat and juggle all of it while loving every minute. Welcome to the podcast, Karen. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for letting me be here. Yes, it's my pleasure. So I always like to start with my guests giving a little bit of background about your career and how you became a music therapist. So tell us about that. Sure. Um, well, I was, you know, I've been a band geek all my life. I played flute starting in the fourth grade and did marching band through junior high and high school and was really torn when I was looking at what I wanted to do, you know, for the rest of my life and debated between music education and psychology. 
and by sheer chance, we were filling out a form for one of those standardized tests. I don't remember which one it was, but music therapy was listed as one of the degree selections there. So then I did some more research on the degree and found University of the Pacific, which was um, which is in Stockton, California, an hour away from the Bay Area where I grew up, and just kind of jumped in, you know, kind of blindly and fell in love with the program right away. And so I just kind of kept at it through the program and became a music therapist. It was really just following, you know, all the different um, signs pointing me to what I should do with my life. So that's how I became a music therapist. Um, I've been in private practice for, let's see, 12 years now. Actually, 13 years. Same age as my oldest son. And that's funny how we how we decide what we do with our careers based on our family situation. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah. yeah, so I got my bachelor's degree in music therapy. I did a minor in speech and language pathology. I actually got a master's in business administration. So I have a double MBA in entrepreneurship and healthcare management. And then with my youngest one starting kindergarten this year, I decided to um, actually, a year ago, I'll go back to school and get a doctorate in psychology, which is funny how, you know, the world brings you right back to where you started. So hoping to practice as a psychologist and still do music therapy. That is impressive. So well, thanks. Yeah, I'm interested to hear more about your schooling and what and how you decided to pursue all of those degrees. So did you have private practice in mind when you – um, when you decided to get the MBA? Well, I actually started the MBA after I had been in private practice. So this okay. is kind of how it went. So I was working at the county mental health facility on the inpatient psych unit and then got pregnant with my first child. And after I had him, I realized, you know, I'm not getting home in time to, to put him to bed. And I was working weekends and I really didn't like not having control over my schedule. So I think two months after I went back to work with him 13 years ago, I decided to just quit my job and go into private practice. So back then I just had the bachelor's in music therapy and then um, five years, wait, let me backtrack. Um, then I thought, you know, I, need, I want a master's degree in something. And I looked at an MFT program. And then I even started the master's in music therapy at St. Mary of the Woods in Indiana. And then I got pregnant with my second child. So I think I finished two semesters there. And I just couldn't couldn't handle the flying back and forth with the new baby. Yeah, understandable. So I, right. And I tried, I think I even, I was pregnant like the first semester, like barely, I found out I was pregnant after I decided to start the program. I think that's what happened. And so, and then I had left the second semester after I had had him and I was breastfeeding and I remember pumping while I was there for residency and I got through, but then, um, then I found out I was pregnant with the next one. And um, I, it was just too much. So then somewhere in the middle of all that, I decided, you know what? I want a master's degree. I really think I need more business training because I'm in private practice running a business. And I didn't, you know, nobody takes business classes in college when you're getting a degree in music therapy. So I found an online master's in business administration and did that while I was home with those two, um, with the two little ones and finished it that way. So that's how I ended up with that. Okay. Were you still working in your private practice while you were pursuing the MBA? 
Um, but right after I had, actually no, I'll backtrack. When I found out I was pregnant with the second child, I had I, I had had some problematic pregnancies before that. So um, the doctor suggested that I like go on bed rest. And so that was when I hired my first employee. <laughs> and um, right before that, I had hired her and then I just gave her my caseload. And so for the whole pregnancy with the second child, I didn't see any clients. And so I was managing, I think, one employee, I think maybe two. And then, so I just was already home just doing administrative work for the practice. So okay. running payroll, doing the billing, doing uh, marketing. And then I had the third one right after that. So I just kind of kept going that way. Um, so while I was doing the MBA, no, I wasn't technically seeing clients, but... I think I saw some, you know, every now and then in between. It's all a blur, honestly. Um, I'm sure that's a lot happening all at one time. Yeah. And I just remember just, you know, powering through the best I could. I think my practice was kind of at a standstill, just kind of maintaining what we already had going on. And so I had some, I still have some awesome music therapists on staff that just carried on for me. And so it really actually helped me even transition more into being more of an administrator in my practice and hiring other music therapists and developing programs. So it's just interesting how how all that just worked out and everything is really based on when my children were born and that's how things how things shifted every time. Yeah, and it sounds like it's all really kind of just worked out for the best that way. And I'm impressed yeah. that you were that you were able to keep your practice running and still be able to do that administrative work while your employees were doing the clinical side. So that's great. Yes, that's where technology comes in because I do a lot by email and text message and, you know, and so if I, you know, if I was nursing my babies, I could still technically be working. Right, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. I was doing that. So Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm interested to hear because I haven't talked to a whole lot of music therapists who have that formal business training. I think that so many of us that work in private practice kind of just learn as we go and, you know, figure things out by talking to people that have been there or, you know, the internet and all that good stuff. But Mm -hmm. how how has that MBA um, helped you as far as being a business owner? I think it has helped me really, um, I guess, conceptualize my practice. Um, some of the courses, obviously, I had to write, learn how to write a business plan because I don't think I wrote one when I first started. <laughs> so I kind of had to go backwards, which was really good for me. So I wrote this huge business plan for one of my courses, and I learned how to write a really good, detailed, like, marketing plan, like, as if I was a CEO of this huge company. But, of course, I used my practice as my as my model for my projects. Um, but what really helped me was the healthcare management Um MBA that I did with the strategic planning and how to do that, as well as how to, um, oh, what was, I can't remember the course, but how to do with hiring healthcare professionals. It really helped me think like an administrator of a healthcare organization. So whether it was a hospital or um, whatever we did in our classes. So when I approach organizations um, and facilities, I think about, you know, well, what are they thinking and what are they going to want from me? And, you know, 
how can I best meet their needs so that they want my services? Or, or if it's a charitable organization, you know, how can I best represent myself so they want to help me and they want to help um, start music therapy programs in healthcare organizations? So I think having that knowledge and understanding of all the stuff that administrators have to look at when they're um, figuring out what kind of services they want or need or trying to find justification for adding on a service and focusing on cost effectiveness and how how music therapy can tie into their mission statements. Um, that kind of thing and that kind of thinking um, really helped me as far as developing programs for the practice. Yeah, I can imagine that, that you have a better sense of the other side of things and and the inside workings of those facilities and organizations than maybe somebody like me that doesn't have that formal training might have. So I could see how that would definitely come in very handy for you. Yes, for sure. And really what what it has really most helped me with is to not take it personally if somebody mm-hmm. says no because – they have a lot going on and they're trying to balance their budgets, especially, you know, nowadays where budgets are shrinking and it's nothing personal against me or music therapy. It's just, sometimes it's just the bottom line and, you know, it has nothing to do with me. And so I learned to really not take that personally because sometimes that can, that can hold us back and stop us from continuing to move forward. So that has really helped. Yeah. That's a good perspective to have on it. Um, so Mm -hmm. When you, um, so once you're, you have three children? Yes. Okay. So once your third child was born, did you return clinically to your private practice? Now that's an interesting question because that was a funny time in my life. Um, when my third child was born, I think by that point I felt like I was so, um, professionally deprived. <laughs> and so yeah, I, I wanted, imagine. you know, cause I was just mom and it's like, wait, I went to, to school and I have a degree and I'm just stuck at home <laughs> caring for these kids. Yes. I'm doing administrative work, but, but you know, it's not the same. You, you used to have this identity as a music therapist. And, um, and so what I ended up doing, it was a very tricky time, in California, they had just cut all the funding through the regional center system for um, for kids with special needs, um, for people who were providing services through the state-funded um, regional center system. So our income had drastically dropped for our agency. It was in 2009. And that's when he was born. Um, so I needed to make some decisions about what to do about income because it had dropped, like I said. And instead of laying off my employees and taking on that work myself, I decided to just go get a full-time job (laughs) while I was um, running my practice on the side. So I actually went to work as a recruiter for a family home agency, which is basically like foster care for adults with developmental disabilities. So it wasn't even music therapy, but I went back to work um, to do that, but I was able to educate people about music therapy along the way, which was really awesome. And so I did that for a year, and then after that, I started um, going back into seeing clients. So it was just it was an interesting time, but I didn't want to lay off my employees. Yeah. So were you still doing all the admin work for your practice? Yes, I was. How How are you balancing all of that? 
Well, my iPhone was, a, you know, a godsend because <laughs> you could do a lot of things from your iPhone. And I was able to, you know, do payroll like during my lunch break. I mean, that's we do payroll once a month, so that wasn't too bad. And billings once a month. So if I, you know, if I got calls about, um, you know, music therapy services, then, you know, I, I could return those calls either in the evening or during my lunch breaks. Um, yeah, it was a little tricky, but like I said, we were kind of in maintenance mode for a while where I wasn't actively trying to develop new programs, mainly because I didn't have the energy to do it. And so, yeah, I just did the best I could for a good year, probably a year and two months or so. And, but it was really, it was also a really great experience because then I understood how the whole, um, process for um, like residential care facilities and stuff work for adults with developmental disabilities. So then I was able to get some some contracts after I left working with you know um, kids and adults who were, lived in care homes. So it's just funny how everything works out the way the way yeah. it does. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's that's such an interesting um, scenario. I I can't imagine how that was challenging for you, especially to you know, go away from that music therapy work and be working in a different um, capacity, but then to also be running a business and not to mention having three kids at home. Right. Having, you know, a little baby and a one-year-old. But I think it was all good because it really expanded my understanding of this whole aspect of you know, the life of people with developmental disabilities in their, you know, their housing situation. And then it gave me a perspective of, oh, well, you know, this is where music therapy can come in, you know, down the road and um, understanding that, you know, they they still contract out for services and how to get into that realm and be able to, to market services to them. So that was really, it was really cool. Yeah. So it ended up to be very beneficial, it sounds like. All the way around. Yes, it sure did. So for what, sure. what did things look like at home for you? Did you feel like you were strapped for time with juggling these two roles plus being a mom? Oh, yes. I mean, I'm sure all the moms out there can understand. I mean, I feel like I'm always strapped for time. Well, yeah. I think I've gotten better better recently as far as self-care. Um, but for a while there, I was – I mean, I was – I felt like I was, you know, treading water and barely keeping my my head above the surface just to survive, especially with the three kids. Or I have three boys, so they are all very active, loud, rambunctious. They're great kids, but, I mean, that their they're energy <laughs> times three. Right. Yes, and, and, you know, then there's the husband who <laughs> riles them up sometimes. Yeah, yeah. It's yep. like, oh, my gosh, do I ever get peace and quiet? <laughs> So what what did things look like logistically for you while you were working, running your business? Did your children go to daycare? Did you have a sitter in the house? Or how did that work? The, well, with the first one, because he was the only child for five years. So I had a part-time babysitter, um, which looking back now, I don't think that was very cost-effective because I think I was paying more in babysitting than I was with a few contracts that I was working <laughs> now that I think back. Um, and then with the second one, we decided, decided to hire like our own like personal babysitters, like a nanny. Um, and she stayed on with the sec- the third one too. So, um, yeah, so we decided to hire someone as long as I was making enough to cover, sure. <laughs> to cover her. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of why I quit that full-time job because after I did my taxes that year I realized wait a minute 
this isn't working out. <laughs> I think I'm, you know, I was making just enough to pay for babysitting. <laughs> so. Right, right. Yeah, it's so expensive. I, it definitely makes you think, you know, is it worth paying all of this money and being away from home so much? Right. And I, I remember just being torn every single day that I was working that full-time job. And I know a lot of people do work the full-time, you know, eight to five, Monday through Friday. And I really liked it because it was nice to be in one place all day long. But but then, yes, with the babysitting, it, it didn't make sense after I did it for a year. So that was tricky. And that's why I decided, you know what, I have a business. I have a practice. Let me just go back <laughs> and um, and just work on you know, expanding the practice and at least I won't need as much babysitting and I can refocus. Right. But it was nice to have that little break just to regain my sanity as a professional, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think I think as moms we all need that, especially if we've spent a lot of time at home and, you know, we feel like we're distancing ourselves from um from our clinical work and, you know, yes. we, we need to make sure that we keep that up because after a while, it can be hard to jump back in. It is. And I think that, I think it was good for me to do it the way I did, where I jumped in just kind of um, in that neutral, like, role where I didn't have the pressures of being, you know, in charge and just doing work, mainly to supplement our income. But, but, and then realizing, no, this is, this is what I have. I have this practice that I could be expanding and, you know, not taking that for granted. So that was, that was really good too, to be able to do that. Um, and the other thing that was really hard for me was not going to conferences for like six or seven years with those, once I had those two little, those two little ones. And so it was really hard to be really active in the region and then disappearing. And then like, I think two years ago, I started attending again, finally. And it, it was just so weird, just that transition of trying to jump back into where you were when things are totally different. Right. And I feel like so yes. much has changed in the field, even in the last couple of years. So yes. yeah, I can definitely see how that would be. Um, it would feel like an even bigger gap for you to have all of those years not being involved. It was. For sure. And and I encourage those moms out there who, you know, maybe were really active as music therapists in their regions and AMTA or, um, you know, don't be afraid <laughs> to jump back in when you're ready because it is kind of scary. And, um, you know, some of your friends sometimes aren't there anymore, but, but it's totally worth it. So I encourage everyone to do that, even if it's scary. <laughs> yeah. Now, I know even for me, when my son was born, I had those three months off for maternity leave and even just that amount of time where I was A, not practicing clinically and B, really not participating in the social media stuff and in all of the committees that I'm involved in through my region and through AMTA, right. having that distance was tricky and then I had those nerves going back into it in the fall. Yes. So, yeah, I, I definitely echo that. As much as you can be involved, try mm -hmm. to try to keep that thread going because that will make yes. it easier in the long run. For sure, because I had just stopped, like, cold turkey, and it was just the weirdest thing to try to jump back in. So definitely stay connected. And, I mean, even in those seven years that I was busy, I don't even know if it was seven years, I've lost count, but – um. Um, social media has changed so much, so it's so much easier to be connected now than it was when I first 
stopped providing clinical services and I'm focused on being a mom when the second one came along. So, so it's not as hard as it used to be to, to stay connected. And so that's really good. And Mm -hmm. even finding your fit in all of those different groups, like on the, um, on Facebook, they've got all of the different groups for populations and for business owners. And just to be able to participate in those and, you know, have people that you can reach out to and seek support from, I think is immensely helpful. For sure. I had actually started a private practice music therapy moms group a couple years ago. And I've been in it like on and off. But um, but if anyone wants to join, if they're in private practice and a mom and um, they can totally ask. Yeah, too. we'll, we'll put a link. Point. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. That way people can find it. That's a great thing. Yeah. For sure. So let's talk about your return to private practice after you Mm -hmm. stopped working in that full-time job and what that looked like for you. It was – I want to say it was a big, giant mess. (laughs) But – like, I don't even think I can remember what it was like. I feel like I've been running ever since I did that. Um, so I've hired different employees on and off. Um, with the University of the Pacific right here in town, I get um, I get grad students every now and then that can work, but, you know, they're only here for so long and then they leave. So most of it has been focused on developing new programs and clients. And I found that I was more selective about which hours I worked personally, just because my time was so, you know, so limited. And I really wanted to make the time that I did work be something that I truly enjoyed And so um, one of the things I've been doing is working with the Children's Bereavement Program through our local hospice, and I love doing that. Um, And then working with a Mommy and Me um, parent support group for um, children with special needs. So we do a music group just um, twice a month. So I do the things that are kind of sporadically scheduled, not regularly scheduled, which works really well for me with the kids because they always have different things going on at school or on the weekends, and I want to be able to, you know, want to be able to go <laughs> and help out when I can while they're still young. And then um, we've partnered up with the Taylor Family Foundation. Uh, let's see, I guess that would be two years ago now. Um, and so we they've launched a mobile music therapy program for their camps and in hospitals in the Bay Area in California. So we've um, been providing music therapy services with them. So a lot of my job is still the development part of it and going to the meetings and, you know, making the case for music therapy and why we're awesome and and then just really trying to be there to support the employees with, with their needs and things like that. So like I said, I've been really selective about what I take on um, as far as my clinical caseload. And then, of course, I always cover when, um, if an employee moves away or isn't working for me anymore, then I've got to, then I've got to jump in and cover, <laughs> cover those, those cases and clients until I find someone else how many to take over. How many employees do you have? Right at the moment, I have one that works just about full-time and one that's part-time. And then I have some other ones that work every now and then, kind of more of a temporary um, situation. So... I want to say one, two, three. There's probably four, four nice. right now. It varies. It's like anywhere from four to six. <laughs> so, and it sounds like yeah. you've really been able to diversify your services. And I like that you 
have been really selective about the clinical work that you do. That's really something that I'm trying to move towards as my second baby's on the way and I'm thinking about, you know, time restraints and wanting to structure my schedule the way that I want it. And yes, I feel like so, so many times, you know, we take on as much work as we can to keep our business afloat right. and to keep it growing. But, you know, you really have to mm-hmm. step back and look at what's going to be best for you and your sanity and your family as well. So I think that's, that's, you're setting a great example for other business owners. Yeah. And it's true because, you know, you get to a point where, you know, you want to do what, what feels good to you. I mean, you do, I mean, we do, we try to serve everybody we possibly can for the sake of the profession, but, but we can't. And if we're, we're stressed and overwhelmed or it's not a good fit for us, then we sometimes start to have resentment towards our work and then start trying to justify, well, maybe I just shouldn't work. And, um, you know, then you start having guilt (laughs) for doing work you don't enjoy when you can be home with your babies and there's all that stuff that goes through our heads and and that doesn't happen when you really 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 love <laughs> the, the work that you're doing and not taking on things that maybe aren't as fulfilling um and can be passed on to somebody who who might find that more fulfilling than you could absolutely yeah it's a snowball effect and mm-hmm. if you let that snowball get too big that's what leads to burnout and that's i think something that's all too common in music yes. therapy, especially music therapists that are moms and that have that do have to find that balance between work and being home with their kids, you know, as much as they For want sure. to. So yes, it's definitely tricky. It is, it is. And I feel like no matter what you do, it's always gonna be a challenge. So speaking of challenges, what yes. what kinds of challenges do you find yourself facing now, even though you have been able to kind of structure your schedule the way that you want it? Um, well, just because I've structured my schedule doesn't mean I have a lot of time. (laughs) So I've gotten to the point where I've structured my schedule so much that I have like structured way too many different things because I want to do so many different things. Sure. Yeah. So I mean, I volunteer at my kids' school and so I'm always trying to fit in things where I can. Like, so if I see clients, you know, for only so many hours a day that I somehow I magically fill up the rest of the time with time at the kids school or uh, meetings with you know other people and um, that's still challenging so even though I get to control my schedule that doesn't mean it's still a challenge to try to make sure there's enough time to do everything that I want to do and that's probably the hardest thing is when when everybody wants you for something <laughs> and, right. so, and it's all good things that you really want to do but just trying to figure out how to make it all work and, you know, not not make my husband upset because I've taken on too many things again. And um, he's a, he's the best, I swear. He, he, he um, fully supports everything that I do all the time. And, um, yeah, I totally love him for that. And he lets me, let me, lets me shine as much as I want to. But um, that's still a challenge. And then still... Feeling the guilt when when you can't make it to that one thing and your kids, they're like, really, you can't come? And, you know, to try to explain to them how lucky they are that, that mommy is able to go to a lot of things, you know, when I can, but I can't be at everything. And, you know, there are a lot of mommies and daddies that work all, you know, all the hours of the week. And so um, 
you know, really explain to them that, you know, mommy still works, even though I don't work like a regular eight to five job, you know, I still have things I should be doing. I have reports I should be writing and, um, all these things I should be doing that I can do at home. Yes, that's true. But, um, but teaching them and helping them understand the concept of mom still working, even though I'm running around and you see me, um, that, you know, that I'm still, I still have a lot of things to do that may not look like I'm working, but I am, if that makes any sense. Oh my gosh, I I can completely relate. I've, and I've had this conversation with many other music therapists, business owners, because so much of our job is outside of the clinic space. And there's so much that goes into running a business. And, um, you know, obviously my son's not even two yet, so he's not old enough to to be able to see that difference between my job and his dad's job. You know, right. my husband works a traditional nine to five. He sells insurance, and so yes. that looks very different than what I do. But I definitely can see how that would be a challenge once your children do get older and they see their friends' parents, you know, going to work and then coming home and having that more traditional setup. Yes. So I think they're starting to understand. Then I don't want them to resent me either. So, I mean, I still have that battle going on in my head. Like, well, I know I'm sitting here, but mommy's working. (laughs) I know it doesn't look like it, but I am. Yeah. 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 So what about some of the more fulfilling aspects of being a working mom? Um, I think becoming a mom to, has made me a much better therapist. I used to, I did my internship at UC Davis Children's Hospital, um, and work with kids, but of course I hadn't had any kids yet then, and then even did some contract work at some other children's hospitals, but it wasn't until I became a mom that I truly understood, um, the positive effect I had on the kids that I was seeing in the hospital setting and understanding their families and understanding, you know, the pain that their parents were going through. I felt like, you know, that gave me a better perspective and it helped me learn to interact with the families more and get a better sense of what the kids needed from me at the moment um, in the hospital setting. And so that has been really great to be able to relate to kids better because I have some of my own now. Um, Just totally, totally different um, perspective. And let's see, as far as being in private practice and working, I think it's fulfilling that I can shift my schedule around the best I can to meet the needs of my family. Um, That's really great. And... Um, the other thing I do at my kids' school is I volunteer to lead science in kindergarten and first grade. And so I'm able to come up with really cool science songs. Oh, that's so fun. It's totally fun, and I totally love it. Like, okay, you know, just, I mean, we learn those skills, how to write a song to be able to teach concepts. Right. So, I mean, it, I've done songs for magnets and, I mean, just all sort of matter. <laughs> but it's so fun to to use our skills in a different setting where our kids, um, you know, are super proud of us because we're so cool and <laughs> their, their friends totally love us. Um, but to bring that into their classroom and to just, you know, give them a little taste of, of what I do, even though they don't know what music therapy is, but to, you know, help teach the concepts with the music. So it sticks just a little bit better. So that's really fun to yes, be able to do that. I love that. That's, that's so mm-hmm. neat. And what a fun way to 
apply your skills and to, you know, make that connection between your work and your kids. That's so fun. Yeah, it's totally fun. I mean, every birthday party, I break out the guitar and we always sing happy birthday with the guitar. And really, and even not that this was intentional, but from a business perspective, you know, when you volunteer, not that you're volunteering music therapy services, but you're volunteering, you know, in your kids activities and you do something musical, people will ask you, oh, you know, are you a musician? What do you do? And that's a perfect segue into talking about music therapy and what you do. Um, for a living. So, yeah, so that's kind that's, of a good too. That's a great point. And that's something that I've found. Um, for example, my um, son's play group that we go to once a week, the director asked me to come in and do – they have story time every week. And she said, oh, would you want to do like a music time during our story one week? And so I came into all the, the different classes and actually ended up getting um, – a whole lot of new new students for my early childhood groups, which was a great little See? perk. I know. I wasn't right. expecting that at all. <laughs> I was just, you know, wanting to do something nice for my son's play group. But exactly. you never you never know what those what those opportunities will lead to. For sure. And yeah. I think they see us enjoying ourselves and really loving what we do. And people are so attracted to that. And we love doing it because we're, you know, we're around our kids at the same time. And so people see how much you love and are passionate about your music and, and they can't help but be drawn to it. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. I think that's really important. I agree. I agree. So you touched a little bit on self-care earlier but what are some yes. other ways that you um, take care of yourself and kind of keep that stress level down? Well, I think the, this whole last year has been a big focus. Um, I've had a big focus on self-care, mainly because, you know, I'm in a doctorate program and it's getting overwhelmed. So um, I joined this the local concert band <laughs> to play. I play flute. That's my main instrument. Oh, that's so cool. And I realized I wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't doing enough music just for me. I mean, I was playing flute at church every now and then, but but it wasn't the same as being in a band, you know, with a group of people that all love music. And so I joined the concert band, um, which is actually where all the, like, all the high school and junior high band directors play, too. Um, so I decided to do that once a week, and I gave it, you know, I figured if I could spend two hours a week just for me playing music, it would be totally worth it, and it was quite a schedule juggler for my my husband there. But um, but it's totally worth it just to make music for me. Um, also, just going for walks, and um, lately I've been trying to do more like actual exercising, like running and using the elliptical. It's still tricky to get that into the schedule, but oh, yes. but when I do it, I feel good. Um, and then really, it's just those. Every few, um, the few minutes every now and then throughout the day where you just take a moment and just really practice what we preach and do some deep breathing, find, um, what I have is a playlist of songs that I like to listen to when I, when I want to be reflective, um, so I'll play a song and I'll just sit there in the car and just do some deep breathing while I listen. And I mean, really all it takes is two, three minutes and then I can, you know, be all, um, relaxed and ready for the next thing that comes along. Because really all we ever have are those few minutes every now and then um, for ourselves when we're running around trying to do things for everyone. So I take advantage of those moments for sure. And I always have my earbuds in my purse in case I'm stuck in a waiting room and um, need that 
time for myself to reflect and just, you know, be present and mindful and all that good stuff. Yeah, I think those are all great ways to implement self-care. And I think that so many of us don't do that enough. So very good tips. And I love that you mentioned making music for yourself because I think that's something that as music therapists, we, we sometimes let go by the wayside and we are so focused on music and our daily work life that it's no longer a hobby for us. And, right. And I think that can be detrimental because we became musicians because we enjoyed it initially. Yes. And so sure. if we let that go, then that kind of takes away from, you know, our musicianship and just doing it for the love of music. And so I think that's so important and something that all of us should try to do more of, you know, in all for of our sure. spare time. <laughs> I know, right? Well, yeah. and I started back into, you know, I just decided, well, I'm going to join the choir at my at the church and just kind of jump in there. And, and even that little bit, like, if you can find a place where you can even, even if it's not your primary instrument, just to do something, you know, just make music for the sake of making music and not worrying about getting paid or anything. Right, just, exactly. Just to do it for your own personal well-being. Yeah, or achieving goals or meeting objectives. It's just right. music just for music's sake. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I love that. So do you have any music therapy-related projects or news that you'd like to share? Um. Well... I have a special project that I'm not ready to announce yet, <laughs> just because oh. I don't know when it's going to be ready. Okay. But um, people want to follow my Facebook page, then hopefully I'll be announcing it later this summer. Um, but I think it'll be something that all the music therapists will be really interested in. Um, awesome. So yeah, and what's the beginning stages? What's the name of your yes. Facebook page? Oh, it's In Harmony Music Therapy Services. Okay, great, and we'll we'll put a link in the show notes for that so people can find it yeah, and sure. and follow up on your exciting news. I know I am my interest is now peaked to find out what it's all about. Yeah, I'm really excited. It's been boiling in my head on the back burner for like a year, and I'm just so anxious to get it going. But I, you know, with everything else, I keep putting it off and. Um, I think it's a really great idea, and I'm hoping nobody t- does it before I do it. <laughs> but but we'll see. We started working on it, and so I'm really excited about it. I think it'll be awesome. Great. Yeah. Great. Well, good luck. Good luck sure. getting it off the ground. Thanks. Yeah. And one last question for you, Karen. Sure. Do you have any favorite products, books, or resources related to either music therapy or motherhood that you just can't live without? Yes, um, I tell everybody all the time. It's there's an app. It's called Cozy. C O Z I. It's free. Um, you can go to cozy.com, and basically, it's a calendar, uh, the family calendar. I don't know if any if people have seen it yet, but basically, it can um, connect to any Google Calendar, um, and you can color code the um, the activities in the calendar by person. So, if you could see my calendar, it would have five different colored dots, <laughs> one for each person, so that so every child has their own colored dot, and my husband and me, and um, it syncs across all platforms. So, my husband. My two sets, actually all three of them, because you can have it on your iPod or whatever. Um, but anyway, all of us have the same calendar on our devices. And so everyone can see the family calendar. We can send notifications when we're changing something in the schedule. Um, if you're synced up to a Google calendar, if there's changes made in the Google calendar, it'll automatically change in your family calendar. 
And um, that's been really helpful for us. And we can't live without it. And I tell people about it all the time, especially with two kids on traveling soccer teams and, you know, practices and violin lessons and everything else that we all do. It keeps us all um, pretty sane as far as our, our schedule. That is so awesome. Cool. I have never heard of that app. And you have to so check it out. I totally sure. will check that out. Thank you for, for bringing <laughs> it's that free, up. free, but yeah, and it's totally free, but you can like upgrade to get some extra features, but it's free. And yeah, no, I love it. If you have questions, so like call me because I figured out how to make some other apps like sync with it and oh, all nice. sorts of stuff. My question it's is, my lifesaver. I use, um, I use iCal on my iPhone and on my iPad mm-hmm. and computer. Does it sync up with that too? It does because like for the soccer teams, we have this app called Team Snap mm-hmm. or actually any sports team. So what I do is sync that calendar up to the iCal and then somehow, I can't remember how, but I can figure it out again. So then the iCal syncs up with the Cozy. Wow, <laughs> so cool. Yeah, no, it's totally. And so if anybody changes anything in Team Snap, it like ends up in the Cozy calendar like automatically. That's it's amazing. So, it's That's so okay. Cool. <laughs> yeah, it's I know what beautiful. I'm downloading this afternoon. <laughs> I know. Check it out. Awesome. Well, Karen, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I've enjoyed this conversation and um, I am sure that everybody listening feels the same. Oh, thank you. It was fun. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to send Karen a message, you can contact her via email ksanchez at musictherapyservices.com and on Facebook, In Harmony Music Therapy Services. Would you like to be a guest on the show? Let me know. Get in touch and find the show notes for this episode at guitarsandgranolabars.com. And if you feel so inclined, please leave a review on iTunes. I'll talk to you again next week.